Good morning. Um, first off, I want to thank uh, the elders for allowing this opportunity. Uh, thanks to Jonathan for asking me three times in about two hours if I'd be willing to uh, fill a spot in Randy's absence. Um, thank you to those who have had words of encouragement, and I'm thankful for the opportunity. I'm blessed to be here, as I feel we all should be thankful and blessed to be here to worship today. The text that was just read, John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Here Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he's, what he's telling them is, to prove your love to me, you need to show it. Obey me. The same goes for us. Uh, John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Uh, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Jesus is God. He's part of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. If Jesus said it, God said it, and we are to obey. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. <clears throat> All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture is God is God-breathed, given by the inspiration of God. Folks, if it's in the Bible, we're to obey it. John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Do you love him? <clears throat> Paul, in writing to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 4, uh, verse 15, but speaking the truth in love. I stand here today to bring a lesson with love. I'm not here to point fingers. I just want to ask you some questions. Questions I want you to answer to yourself about yourself. And when I ask these questions, I want you to examine yourself, look deep into your heart, and honestly answer the questions. Don't worry about anybody but yourself. I had a teacher in elementary school that would say, don't point your finger when you do. Three, three fingers are pointing right back at you. It took me a while to get that until I held my hand up and saw that I was pointing at myself and kind of made sense. About three years ago, Adam and I decided that we were going to uh, team up and teach a Bible class, which speaking personally, that's the best way to teach a class especially for the first time, neither one of us had ever taught a class. <clears throat> Adam found a book, Basic Training, A Manual for Teens by Randy Simmons. Randy Simmons wrote several books. I can't remember how many. Um, but this is a great book. It's great for all to study. The title, Basic Training, A Manual for Teens, is fitting for the book. But it could have other titles. 
basic training for Christians, a good refresher course for mature Christians. Most of the questions that I'm going to ask today are pulled. I got the questions from the chapters in the book. <clears throat> what are you doing? Where are you? Where are you? Hebrews 10, chapter 25. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. All it takes is one example in the Bible. If it's in there, we're to obey it. This one verse here tells us that we're to attend the services. I didn't say service, I said services. If the Bible says it, then God said it. This is a commandment to attend. We're about exhorting one another. We're to encourage one another. We're to help each other grow spiritually and to live lives consistent with Christian living. Folks, we meet together, we worship together, we fellowship together, we grow together. We'll strengthen one another. So I ask you, where are you? Where are you now? Well, we're in the auditorium at Pippin listening to you bring a lesson. Yes, that's where you are right now. Where are you planning on being tonight around 5.20, 5.30? About Wednesday night, about 7 o'clock. Where are you this morning at 9.30? Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a Sunday morning kind of deal. What about being sick? Well, yeah, we all get sick from time to time. Are you sick or do you just not feel good? Don't let being sick be an excuse. You don't have a good reason for missing the services. There's a difference in a reason and an excuse. What about my job? Well... Sometimes our jobs can cause us to miss the service. It has me. I'm never happy about it. I've actually fussed to my employers before. But we have a job to do. But we also have an obligation to be here. Remember, you don't have a good excuse. I want to ask you now, why are you here? I'm, 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 it's just full of questions today. Are you listening? Don't mean can you hear my voice? Are you listening? Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the gospel. The gospel must be preached. One cannot gain faith without hearing the gospel. This includes listening during a Bible class. This includes listening during a sermon. This, and I haven't called this a sermon, but maybe a couple times, and that was a slip. Preachers preach sermons. I'm just bringing a lesson this morning. It includes reading your Bibles in your own time, not just here. Are you here to worship? If not, then why? Are you singing? Ephesians 
we'll flip there and get your finger ready because I'm going to have you put it here and we're going to go to another one. A lot of you already know where we're going, but slow down. Don't get ahead of me. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, singing, and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, hold a finger there because we're fixing to flip back and forth. Colossians 3, 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing. Similarities in the two. We'll get there. Sorry about that. We are to be singing. Singing is worship. We're commanded to sing. Singing is praise to God. Singing is edifying and uplifting to one another. We're not singing to each other, but be an example to those around you. If you're not singing, you're sitting next to someone. What kind of example are you setting if you're not singing? I'm not talking about looking at the words and mouthing. That's not singing. The Bible tells us to sing. Now, I added this next slide. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. I put the difference of them up there. I come across this when I was studying one of the times. I've been to that book twice. It's an excellent book. And I come across this. It gave me the definition of a psalm, a hymn, and a spiritual song because I had no idea. Psalms are songs based on psalms. Hymns, songs intended to praise God and Jesus. Spiritual songs, songs intended to edify and uplift one another. So I just want to share it with you. I hope you learned something because it was... Fascinating to me when I learned it. We're to sing with the understanding. Now, Acts 16.25, the story of the Philippian jailer converted. Uh, we're going to talk about Paul and Silas. Verse 25, But at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, <clears throat> and the prisoners were listening to them. Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas were in jail. Verse 24 tells us they were put in the inner prison and their feet fastened in stocks. <clears throat> the Roman prison had three parts. The first part, the prisoners had access to light and air. Second part was shut off by strong iron gates. The third part, the inner prison, was a dungeon. This was for prisoners who were condemned to die. And the conditions in the inner prison you cannot just imagine no light, no air, just stagnant, stinking, horrible conditions. Their feet were put in stocks, all this after being beaten. What did Paul and Silas decide they were going to do? They prayed and sang hymns to God. They prayed and sang. They didn't complain. They didn't fuss. They sang. <coughs> You do not have a good excuse for not singing. Well, I don't know the song. The words are in front of you. Listen, pay attention, and try. Before the song is finished, you will be singing the song. And it's sad, but I've heard this. I don't like the song. That doesn't deserve a response. 
You're singing to God. You're not singing for your personal pleasure. The Bible tells us to sing. If you choose not to sing, you choose not to worship. Are you praying? 1 Thessalonians 5.17 Pray without ceasing. Prayers worship. We're to pray daily. We're to pray with thanks. You can pray for help. We're to pray with thanks. Pray for others. When a gentleman, when a brother stands up here or down here, he's not praying a personal prayer between himself and God. He's leading the minds of every soul in this building. Pay attention. Pray along. Stay focused. Pray with thanks. I felt it necessary to put that on there three times. I actually took two of them out. We need to be doing more thinking. And I don't mean you need to be thinking. You need to be thanking. Thank you. Pray with thanks to God. James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Everything you possess is a blessing. It's a blessing from God. God allowed you the strength, the knowledge, the talent, to achieve whatever goal you've achieved and to earn every dollar that you've ever earned. Let's thank him for that. And pray daily. And that's not just once a day. It's multiple times a day. Now I want you to think about your closest friends. Your closest friends you talk to on a regular basis. I moved to Cookville six years ago. And I have a friend that I talk to about once a week. We're hectic schedules and family and all, and sometimes we talk. It may go two weeks, but we feel it. We stay close. Prayer works that way. I'm not saying pray to God once a week. That's that, no, pray daily. The more you pray, the closer you will grow to God. But the opposite is true. You start slacking off on your prayers, the distance grows. God speaks to us through the Bible, and prayer is our avenue to talk to Him. Develop a healthy prayer life and see if it don't change your life. I rarely say I promise because if you make a promise, you have to back it up. But I promise, if you develop a healthy prayer life, it will make a difference. <clears throat> Are you giving? I'm not going to stand up here and give you a dollar amount. So calm down. First Corinthians 16.2 On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. 
We're to give to the church. We're to give each week. And we're to give as we have been prospered. We give to the church, and that money is used to support the work of the church. We give each week, the first day of the week, on Sunday. And we give as we have been prospered. What does that mean? Proportional to your income. The Bible doesn't give a specific amount. It's left up to us to determine how much is enough. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 7. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one of you give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. It is a blessing to be able to give. You reap what you sow and do it cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver. Now, are you giving? Giving is more than money. We can give our time. We can give our talents. And these two go hand in hand. They can. Give your time. Show up for the services. And do some visiting. Visit the sick. Visit the shut-in, etc. Give your talents. Men. Read. Sing. Pray. Serve on the table. Fill in in Randy's absence. Now I'm going to talk to everybody. Men and women. Teach a class. Help others. Don't waste your talents. Use them. Make them better. And give yourself. If you truly and genuinely give yourself, all the giving will come easy. Truly give yourself. Do you take the Lord's Supper? 1 Corinthians 11, 23-26 For I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. This is a memorial time. Verse 23 and 24, both state in remembrance of me. The time to remember the sacrifice that was made. The perfect sacrifice. The bread represents Christ's body. The body that was beaten. Horribly, but mercilessly beaten. And the fruit of the vine represents the blood that flowed from his body. <coughs> represents the blood that washes away our sins. It gives us hope for eternal life in heaven. Verse 27 Therefore, who eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty, guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. It's a rough verse to read right there. 
a hard one to swallow. Taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner is a sin. Are you taking it in a worthy manner? Where is your heart? We're to concentrate on the symbols. The bread, the fruit of the vine. They're mentioned more than this one verse. Mentioned several times. Which I take to I mean they're very important. If we're going to talk about it, if if the Lord, if God is going to inspire the writers to write about it more than three times, it's pretty important. Examine yourself. If your mind is somewhere else and you're just going through the motions, then you need to get focused. And there's ways to stay focused. You can get your Bible, you can read Scripture, you can read about the Last Supper, you can read about Christ being crucified. These will help keep your mind where it needs to be. Now I want to ask you this. How would you feel if you're sitting in the funeral or memorial service of a loved one? And you heard talking. You heard talking. And the talking was loud enough. There was a distraction. The talking was loud enough you could hear what was being said. How would that make you feel? How do you think God feels during this memorial? Are you a Christian who... Has been obviously you're a Christian, you've been baptized. You used to partake the Lord's Supper. But now, because of something in your life that's not right, you just pass the plate. Bread comes right by, you let it go. Fruit of the vine comes by, you let it go. Why do you not fix what's wrong? Do you love what you do wrong more than you love God? Just questions I want to ask you. Questions I want you to answer to yourself. Are you a Christian? Have you been baptized? Acts chapter 2, 36 through 38. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, that every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Baptism is essential for salvation. Baptism is complete immersion in water. The Church of Christ is accused of, we all just preach water baptism. That's all y'all talk about. Because that's what it says. Nowhere in there does it say anything else, any other way of baptism, except being completely immersed in water, raised to walk in newness of life. You're buried with Christ in baptism and your sins are washed away. 
the slate is wiped clean and you have hope of a home in heaven. In Acts chapter 8, 26, well, Acts chapter 8, I'm going to cover 26 through 29. Um, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Ethiopian eunuchs traveling, reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip is told to go talk to him. He asks him, do you understand what you're reading? He says, no, how can I unless some man teach me? And at some point during this conversation, the Bible doesn't give details in their conversation, but I feel you can safely assume water baptism was covered. Verse 37, the eunuch says, I believe, no, back up. He said, here is water, what hinders me from being baptized? Verse 37, the eunuch says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Verse 38, both men went down into the water. Verse 39, they both came out. Why would they go down in the water if Philip was just going to get water on his fingertips and flick it in his face? Sprinkle is never referred to in the Bible in reference to baptism. It's essential for salvation. You can't go to heaven if you're not a Christian. You can't be a Christian if you've not been baptized. How does one become a Christian? Plan of salvation. Hear the gospel. Believe Jesus is the Son of God. Repent of your sins. Make a change in your life. Change direction. If you're going wrong, you change direction. You turn Put your eyes on the Lord, and that's the direction you go. Confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Be baptized in water for the remission of your sins. Then it gets hard. Remain faithful. It's tough. Anybody will tell you it is tough. Living a faithful Christian life is tough. It's not impossible. You can do it. Now, Go ahead, get your songbooks out, put your Bibles away, because I'm almost done, and I want you to listen. You can become a Christian today if you've not made that decision. It can happen now. If you've reached the age of accountability, you know what's right. You know what you have to do. If you're ready to complete these steps, you can do it today. <clears throat> if you stray from the fold, you can return. We're a flock. We have shepherds who lead this flock. They want the lost back, and they want to add to the fold. If there are burdens or struggles in your life, and you just need prayers for strength, encouragement, you can do that. This is not a large building. It's a short walk, but it can seem like a mile. I understand that. Don't let that stop you. The first step, it's the hardest. Letting go of the pew the death grip that you have on the pew 
and taking the first step is hard, but every step after that, all the way to right here, gets easier and easier. And I don't want you to worry what others might think. Don't worry about what they might think. Don't worry about the, what they might say. Well, I wonder what they did. Who cares? If you generally, genuinely, wholeheartedly repent, we will forgive. Your Christian family will forgive you. Seventy times seven, the Bible says. Luke 15, 10. There's joy in the presence of the angels of God over just one sinner who repents. Your Christian family will rejoice and tears of joy will be shed. If you're subject to invitation, don't wait. Come today. We stand and sing.